to the MEC English Service Podcast. For more resources or information about our church, Mideast Evangelical Church, visit mec.church. So the verse is 1 Peter 1:22 through chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Yeah. All right, you guys can be seated. Good verses. So much hype coming from this uh, area over here. Um, so today, um, as is mentioned, we're, we're going to continue our series through First Peter. Now, um, thus far, for those of you who are just joining us, thus far we've, t- we've gone through the intro. We've talked about like how um, Peter is praising God for all of the cool things he's done throughout the history of humanity. Um, and then last week we talked about this crucial element, which is hope. And we have hope because of what Christ did in the past and what we know he will do in the future. So if we have that hope, um, then it's going to change some things about us. And, and we go from hope into love. Kind of like last week, we talked about how if we don't have hope, then it's really hard to love. Um, and so since he's laid that bedrock, he's like, okay, you guys have something to hope for. We have hope that we are being transformed in this life. And we have hope that something different, something new is going to happen in the future when Christ comes to save us in the end. So if that's the case, then he talks about this love business. Now, before we get into love, um, he talks about you have been purified through your obedience. Now, both of these words, like purified by your obedience, like they, they, they're like heavy words. You know what I mean? Like when we talk about um, making sure that you are purified, like before we were talking about how you purify gold, like you got to be burned to be purified. Um, and you, this purification is done through obedience. And last week we even talked about like, okay, even o- obedience is kind of a, almost like a dirty word in our world today because like it means that you have to like give up your own sense of what you think is right. You give up your own desires and drives. It means that you sacrifice what you want to do for the sake of obeying what God wants you to do. Now, I think it's important to make a clarification here because sometimes I think that when we start talking about words like purification, like if you read through the book of Romans, you hear words like purification, salvation, justification, edification. We hear all of these Asian words um, and all of these words, they kind of start to blend together and you're like, eh, same thing, right? But it's really important that we understand that they're not the same thing at all. We are purified through our obedience, but purification is not salvation. You are not saved by your obedience. I think especially growing up, like in, in Christian culture and society, it's kind of like, I have to be a good boy or a good girl if I'm going to be saved by God. But that is a lie. Right? Um, in the book of Galatians, like Paul literally curses at that idea and says, that's a lie. 
That's not true. You do not earn your salvation. You are saved by grace, which means that God just chooses you. And so the best way I know how to illustrate this is by revealing a little bit of my nerdery. Um, This summer, my wife and I went to Universal Studios a couple of times, um, and it's kind of an emotional experience because after you've watched eight Harry Potter movies um, and you've read a lot of books, you start to feel connected to this story and character, and then you show up and this, like, have any of you been to Universal Studios? The um, Yeah, Hogsmeade. It's beautiful. Um, even like in the bathrooms, um, the, like the ghost is talking to you while you're going to the bathroom. It's crazy. Um, anyway, so in Harry, we, we go to this place um, and there's you can go to Ollivander's wand shop and you can buy a wand. But if only if you're rich, because the wand that you buy, that wand is going to cost you between 40 and $60, depending if you want it to do the magic things. So, like, that's where they get you. They're like, we're cheaper than Disneyland, but, like, buy our stuff for $100. Um, so you go into this wand shop, and I realized there's no way that I will ever buy a wand. Um, one, maybe because it reveals my nerdiness, but two, like, I'm not going to spend an extra $60 at Universal Studios so that I can have a piece of wood. And so what I decided um, was that I would make my own wand. Um, and I promise this connects to salvation. Um, <laughs> so salvation. Um, this morning, Katie and I and Seji went on a walk. And all along the way, there were sticks. Um, <laughs> and uh, these sticks, they're all along the way. And so salvation is literally God saying, hey, stick, you're going to turn into mulch someday, and you're going to like be part of the earth, and you're going to decay. Salvation is saying, hello, stick, I choose you. You are not going to be turned into mulch. I'm going to save you. It has nothing to do with what the stick did. The stick is just the stick being a stick. But God says, I mean, I say, but then God says to us, no, you do not deserve to be taken out of, uh, off the ground, to be saved from decaying, but I'm going to take you off the ground. That's what salvation is. It's an unearned thing that we get because God wants to give us a gift of rescuing us from decay. You with me? He just, he picks us. The stick didn't deserve it. But guys, is this a wand? Yeah, if you think about it, does, does this look like a wand? It's close, but like if I, if I um, what is it? Wingardium Leviosa. Um, it doesn't do anything, right? <laughs> um, it doesn't do anything. So what do I have to do to make this more wand-like? You have to go yeet. Um, accurate. What else do I have to do? What's wrong with this so far? It's too long. Good. So some, some things need to change, right? So I broke off a good, like, so this is about, what, 15 inches? That's about, like, the right size wand for me. Um, so what else is wrong with this? Like, if you look at it, is it nice? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we should have picked another stick. Um, and so what you have to do then is this thing that Boy Scouts like to do called whittling. Or you take a knife and you clean off like the unclean parts of it. You shape it over time, taking off layer by layer to make it the wand that you want it to be. I'm not going to whittle for the next half hour in front of you. Um, but eventually, you end up with a wand that kind of looks like a wand. And then I stained it and like varnished it. And so it doesn't do anything at Universal Studios. But like now I have my own wand because I've shaped it into the way that I wanted it to be. This is super nerdy. Um, but... 
this is what purification is like. Salvation is God coming in and saying, I'm going to rescue you out of the dirt. I'm going to save you from decay. But then purification is saying, I'm going to shave off the parts of you that are not for my purposes. I'm going to shave off the pieces so that you can be an instrument that I need you to be in this world. Now, not all of us are meant to be Harry Potter ones. Um, This drumstick was probably a stick at some point, a larger stick that was put into a lathe and then coated with varnish. Um, But nevertheless, like someone used craftsmanship to take a stick and through the purification process, turn it into something that can be then used. So no, salvation is not earned through our obedience. However, purification happens through our obedience. When we obey God, we give him the opportunity to shave off those things in our lives, those things that keep us from being the type of thing that God wants us to be, from being the type of man or woman or boy or girl that God wants us to be. So your salvation doesn't depend on your obedience, but this is where Peter's going in this letter. He just got done saying, hooray for salvation, and now he's like, okay, but through obedience, you're purified. It's through doing the things that God wants us to do that we are shaved into the thing that God wants us to be. And so if that's the case, if we are shaved into the thing that God wants us to be, one of the very first things that we are going to do is we are going to love. So he says, you've been purified by your, your obedience so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Now, when I first read this, I was like, that's weird. That's kind of repetitive, Peter. Like, are you a bad writer? And I mean, he has run-ons and all sorts of other things in his letter, but he goes, now being purified so that you have deep love, love. So whenever you see something weird in the Bible, it's usually a good idea to be like, why is that weird thing there in the Bible? Why would he repeat love and then love? And so once I, um, I did some Bible nerd stuff and I looked up the original Greek, um, the sincere love, is the, the love part is Philadelphian. Um, so like they're fans of the Eagles and the Phillies. No? But um, Okay. Boo, get off the stage. Okay, so um, Philadelphian, though, comes from the Greek love philia. Philia is brotherly or friendship love. And so he's like, because of this purification, you guys have sincere friendship love. And the sincere is the word anupokritos. Um, the pokrit, like you hear it in the word hypocrite. Um, it's the same root, but this is not hypocritical. So you have a, a love, a, like a brotherly friendship love for each other that isn't hypocritical. That is, that's real. It's not fake. It's not a two-faced love. You love each other like brothers and sisters love each other in a very real way. But then he says, now that you've built that, you, gotta, you have to really love each other. And guess what word he uses there? It's not Philadelphia anymore, but rather agapesate, which comes from the root word agape. You need to agape each other, which is the divine love. So he's like, now that you've built up a brotherly friendship love, divinely love each other deeply, or ectenos, which means earnestly, strenuously, fervently. Like, with intention, with strength, with fervor, with, like, passion— like, love each other like God loves. Now, if you want to know how God loves, um, it's really important to note um, that you cannot love, you can love sincerely and then still not love people like God loves. You can have a sincere philia for each other. You can have a sincere 
brotherly friendship love for each other, but then still fail to agape each other, then still fail to love like God loves. Let me give you an example. Most of you would say, like if when push comes to shove, most of you, if you have siblings, you would say, you love your siblings, right? You would say that. Because like the truth is you do have a sincere, like it's not like, like once you peel back all the layers, there's a sincere love there that you have for your siblings. But then do you always treat them lovingly? Do you always treat them like God wants you to treat them? So it's totally possible to sincerely have siblingly love, to have brotherly love or sisterly love, but then still not since not deeply love, not love like God loves them. Because here's what it looks like when God loves people. Um, in John 15, 13, he says, greater agape has no one than this. That's that divine love that he lay down his life for his friends. And with some of you, I think in Team Awesome, we've talked about this before, but I think the best definition for agape is selflessly giving for the good of another person without expectation. Like this is what Jesus did on the cross. When he died for us, he laid himself down, not because he's like, and they better pay me back, right? But because he was giving for our good, not for his own gain. That's what agape is about. Now, what I think is a trip here is that um, there's a couple of ways that you can say love in the Greek. One um, is the word psyche. Where do we hear the word psyche? In psychology, psychosis, um, psych. Um, no one says psych anywhere. That was like the 80s. Uh, is, is it coming back? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. Um, so psyche is like, like your your essence, your mind. When we say, dude, get a life, we're not saying start breathing. We're saying like something about who you are, like change something about who you are, like your essence, your mind, the way you think about things, your preferences, your desires, all that stuff is wrapped up in your psyche. There's another word for life, which is zoe, which is the life force in you. Like when you die, you lose zoe, right? Um, and so when Jesus says greater love, greater agape has no one than this, that he lay down his life, guess what he says? That he lay down, not his zoe. He's not talking about giving up your breath and dying. He's saying greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his psyche for his friends. That's what love's about. It's about laying down your own personal preferences, your own drives, your own dreams, your own desires for the sake of another right? It's laying down your preference for that seat at the table for your sibling. It's laying down your preference for wanting to be out with your friends that night, even though you know that like your parents haven't connected with you and want to hang out with you. It's laying down a preference, greater, greater love, greater agape doesn't exist than laying down your own psyche. And I remember when I was like a bold teenage Christian um, and I remember Columbine happened, um, which was the, one of the first big school shootings that occurred. And I remember thinking like, that would be a good way to go. Like as a Christian, like, like getting, cause then I could give my life for my faith and then I die. And then like, I'm a hero, no work involved. But then <laughs> I know I don't, maybe I'm like, I was crazy as a high schooler. Um, but then I realized like, it's actually much, it's, it's actually really, really, really hard to lay down your psyche and continue living. Because it's something that you can't just do once and be like, cool, I did it. I laid down my Zoe for the faith. 
It's another thing to say, like, I've laid down my psyche every day to love others, to put other people before me, lay down my own preferences, desires, drives for the sake of loving others. That's what loving is about. It's about laying down yourself. Now, um, you might be like, okay, that's really hard. Um, But this is why, if you've been paying attention to the last several sermons, every chunk that we read has some sort of reference to God being our father, to us being his kids, to some sort of parental language in that he's holy, so we'll be holy. We call on this father who is impartial, that we are his kids. And then in this section, we get some more of that. He talks about being born again of imperishable seed um, and that we'll drink pure spiritual milk as babies. So we know it's a parental image here. It's not talking about like, taking something out of a cow. Um, but he's like, as babies drink milk, which comes from parent, um, not, not dad. You actually, there's never mind. Um, (laughs) so, um, and then you drink the pure spiritual milk so you can grow up. So it's all this childhood imagery. And he's like, guys, here's how you have this divine love. Watch dad, watch your divine parent and be like that. Right? who allows the, the sun to shine on both the evil and the good. The one who loves everybody. Be like that father. Right? This is what he, so he says we've been born into this new type of family. We get to be raised up to learn how our family operates things. Now, um, it then moves into chapter two. There was like a, a miscommunication about what the text was today because it like spans a chapter. And usually like it ends at the end of the chapter. But this is a continuing thought from the previous chapter. And it goes, therefore, and so here's a tip for you. You might have heard this already. Whenever there's a therefore, you have to see what it's there for. Um, so if the therefore that comes at the beginning of chapter two, we need to look back and realize, okay, because of what we talked about in chapter one, therefore, chapter two. So in other words, if you are a child of God's word, if you have been purified by his obedience and you are committing to learn to agape deeply, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to get rid of some things in your life. You're going to get rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Turn to the person next to you and define Let's, do, let's go through these each time. Define malice with the person next to you. Ready, go. I'll give you 10 seconds to define the word. What does it mean? Malice, go. All right, what is deceit? Tell the person next to you, what is deceit? Hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? What does it mean to be a hypocrite? Envy. What's envy? Super weird. And last, slander. What is slander?
All right, I'm going to give you the, the Chris's quick lexicon um, for these definitions and see if they line up with something that you said. Um, so malice is doing mean things to another person with the intent of just being mean, right? The purpose is to be mean or to be harmful or hurtful to the other person. Deceit is misleading a person intentionally. Deceit is like, it's like, it could include lying, but the, it's like lying, lying with purpose, like trying to like misdirect someone. Hypocrisy is like, is fronting, is being an actor, is being a fake. Um, so it's a little bit different than deceit in that it's like a general mask, whereas deceit is like, I'm going to mislead you. Um, envy is when someone else has something and you want it so bad that you don't even want them to have it, right? It's not just that you like want a thing, but it's like, you want to take it from them. That's envy. And then last is slander, is putting down another person in word. Like putting them down so other people think worse about them. For those of you who have siblings, we just talked about brotherly love, right? I think that this list is intentional. Because there's a bajillion sins that Peter could have put on this list. And he's like, you guys have a sincere brotherly love. But if you want to up your game to divine love, man, how many of you have some of these traits in your sibling relationships? For those of you who do not have siblings and you have jobs, how many of you have, have some of these traits in your, like, in your workplace with your classmates? You're like, oh, I love them, but I want to do mean things to them. Oh, I love them, but I like talking trash and making them look bad. I love them, but I like misleading them because it's funny. I love them, but like, you know how they got those new beats that I really wanted? Like, well, I broke them, but who cares? Um, okay, maybe not beats. That's really expensive. Um, <laughs> but like, guys, we, the people that we claim to love, we still exhibit these behaviors toward. And so this is why Peter says, hey, it can't just be, it can't just be a sincere brotherly love we got to work on agapeing each other. We've got to work on having that divine love for each other so that these things aren't the case anymore. And here's the remedy. He says to drink pure spiritual milk, um, which is a weird thing to be the remedy. But if you actually look at the words, what's funny is um, spiritual, I think when we think, of, when I think of spiritual outside of the context of Christianity, I think of like new agey crystals and like incense and stuff. Um, but with the word spiritual here, um, pure spiritual milk is Adelon Logicon Gala. The word spiritual is, oh, it's actually Logicon. What, is, what, what do you notice in the word Logicon? Logic. It could also be rendered logical or rational. The remedy to loving sincerely but not loving agape deeply is having pure logical, rational, spiritual milk. Because here's what happens when you introduce rationality to your relationships. What happens is when you want to be mean to a person that you say you love, you say, why do I want to be mean to them? If you just introduce logic into the conversation, you'd realize if I love my brother or sister, why am I trying to be mean to them? If I actually love them, maybe you'd check yourself, right? The logic would start to run, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, if I love them, I wouldn't do this, 
right? I wouldn't break their stuff on purpose. I wouldn't say mean things about them. If, if I love them, like, don't I want to be trusted by them? Don't I want to be connected to them? Then why would I deceive them? If I love them, then, like, why don't I just be myself instead of being a hypocrite, being a two-faced fake around them? If I love them, then, like, when they get something good, this, I think this is the hardest one for siblings, particularly, and neighbors. Um, if I love them, shouldn't I just be happy when they get good stuff instead of being jealous that they got the good stuff and I didn't? Like, if I actually did love them, I should just be happy when they get the promotion. I should just be happy when they get the new thing instead of being like, I didn't get one. Logic. <laughs> um, slander. By trash-talking them, does it do anything good? Does anything good come from that? Right? Maybe, I mean, it might feel good for about 15 seconds, but then the damage that you do to the relationship, the damage you do to the trust in the households, in the workplace, in the classroom, that gets damaged. So this is why he says, hey, if you want to learn how to agape each other, to love each other like God loves, then drink some logic milk. Drink some rational, spiritual logic milk and introduce that into your relationships. And then you'll find that you're much more able to love deeply. Not just sincere brotherly love, but deep, divine, godly love. And so this is um, how he ends it. So he says, buy it by drinking this pure spiritual milk. Um, Do you guys remember the commercials, milk, it does a body good? Well, Peter's line is milk, it does a soul good. Um, Because if we drink this pure spiritual milk, by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Drinking this milk by using our minds so that we love more deeply, we grow up. Like for those of you who are just moving into this, uh, like into seventh grade, like you're growing up. Some, a lot of you guys just started high school this year. Like you're growing up. Carrie went off to college. Um, (laughs) One, Um, but, but like we... Like, we're all moving along in life. And I think a lot of us want to learn what it means to be mature and to grow up. And what Peter says is, here's how you grow up. Love deeply by exercising your brain to remind yourself to love deeply. Drink that pure, logical, spiritual milk. And you will grow. You'll grow up and become better people that are mature in their relationship with God. So we'll close um, in prayer, and then we'll, we'll sing one more song together to like, remind us of God's love. Um, so let's bow our heads and, and pray together. God, we ask um, that you would check our hearts and examine the places where we have sincere brotherly love, but we lack deep divine love whether it's with our siblings, our parents, our classmates, our coworkers, our next door neighbors. God, there are places in our lives where we have sincere, yeah, I care about them, but we don't live out agape. So God, we ask for your strength and your wisdom to remind us in the moment before we have malice or deceit or slander or envy or hypocrisy. God, we pray that you would allow us to systematically uproot and get rid of those things from our lives 
but by allowing your spirit to remind us logically 